Welcome to my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond, and it's your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj. And today we have a guest who practices mindfulness, and her name is Sheena Dabolkar. Sheena Dabolkar is the founder and facilitator of Mindful and Body, an alternate holistic mental health initiative and well-being practice which makes the tools of self-care, mindfulness, and journaling accessible via workshops, counseling, and consultations. Uh, sometimes journalist, activist, artist, and creative, her other professional work informs her practice and vice versa, as she believes firmly in the interconnectedness of everything. I got introduced to Sheena by one of our common friends who was taking her course on journaling and mindfulness. So when I asked Sheena, uh, are you a coach or a therapist? She would say, no, I'm neither of them. I'm a facilitator. I only help them to open up to my clients to themselves. So that was quite interesting to hear this uh, kind of an approach to what she's doing. So welcome, Sheena, to my podcast. Thank you, Dr. Vignesh. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's my pleasure. So Sheena, your story, I'm sure, like uh, when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to such alternative uh, health care or well-being, it's pity that we call it alternate, but actually it should be the mainstream. But when it comes to these, I'm sure there is a beautiful story behind that made you get into this. I'm curious what the story is. So I personally had a, a, a struggle with mental illness for a really long time or what we call mental illness because I, like many people, were, were never really equipped with the tools of how to care for myself in many ways. And I wasn't really encouraged to explore that there were different ways to care for myself. And from a young age, I, uh, I was in psychotherapy. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 13 years old. So over 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, it was always a fight because I didn't really realize that there were ways that I had, you know, autonomy for my, uh, to, to be a participant in my own healing, uh, sort of. And so once I sort of realized that there was more to it than just, um, you know, sitting in therapy once a week or once a fortnight, and there were all these, all uh, like a bank of emotional first aid or or tools of care that I could um, I could use and kind of empower myself mm-hmm. I it, it completely changed my journey uh, and and I got really excited also about making these tools uh, possible for other people and that's basically uh, kind of how I got into it and um, and that's how I see myself as just an enabler for other people really I, I, I try not to uh, make myself more important than I need to be mm-hmm. that's uh, that's an interesting and what got you into journaling so I am a writer and I've always been writing. So I, I think I started writing maybe when I was four or five years old. Just obviously I can't imagine what I wrote at that age. But I do remember that it, it was a very liberating experience for me to write. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my teen years being really concerned about privacy, mm-hmm. uh, that somebody would read my journal, you know, that, it, that was like the, the ultimate uh, shame for me and I remember something distinctly missing at that time when I wasn't able to use journaling mm-hmm. as a way to process um, 
my life or my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I got back into it in my 20s. And it has just been such an amazing way for me to uh, do so much with my life. I think I think I see journaling as a form of play and expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I don't think there's one way to do it. And I, I hope we can chat about that uh, later oh, yeah. on. I'm but basically sure. that's, that's, that's basically it. I was, uh, once I brought it back into my life, I was able to really explore it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of how I got back into it. And, and, it helps me immensely and still does. So uh, this is one thing I understand because uh, I practice uh, journaling every morning because I read this book called Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, which influenced me a lot. And in that book, she talks about uh, morning pages. The first thing after you get up, you write for three pages nonstop and just release whatever is in your head. And uh, I found it quite really uh, interesting it uh, it is like releasing all the mental baggage that you're holding when you get up in the morning and uh, when i tell people this is something wonderful they ask me so what do you write so what am i supposed to write so they have like uh, uh, something called as a, like a writer's block they have a journaling block so how do you um, you know facilitate them what what is journaling what is it that we're going to get out of this journaling so uh, there's a few questions in there, actually. So um, morning pages, the, the concept from the artist's way that, that, uh, that is kind of encouraged and forms the basis of that book. I'll be honest, I've actually not read the whole book mm-hmm. uh, because I got it years ago and I, I, I read uh, the first few chapters. Mm-hmm. But I do understand what it's about. I know it's very much about removing creative blocks and a lot of the perfectionism and, and things like that around writing, which I think journaling is amazing for. Mm-hmm. But Morning Pages has existed as a concept for a really long time. It's, yes. it's, the concept is free writing or stream of consciousness writing. It's writing without a censor. Um, and I think it's an amazing tool for anybody to write without judgment. And it's, it's really difficult, actually, especially for, for me and people who are professional writers to write without judgment because our inner critic is so strong. When we look at writing, it, it, it's always something that requires um, uh, to be wonderful and a memoir and, you know, it's just excellent grammatically and, and a story and all of these things. But um, Morning Pages kind of breaks that down and renders that unuseful so um so i I really love the concept of of morning pages but at the but the way i see it or at the end of the day i think there's no right way to journal and i don't think there is um uh, a wrong way to do it either it's like dancing there are hundreds of ways of it to do it you know Mm. it's uh it can be expressive it can be playful it can be really formal it can be uh done for several reasons so I, I, I like to keep it really open. Uh, even when I teach journaling, I tell people that they are journaling all the time. For mm-hmm. instance, I, the, the verb journaling, it just means to uh, write in a journal. Mm-hmm. That's really what it means. Mm-hmm. And, and it has this kind of strange reputation that it's reserved for like teenagers or young girls, etc. But to me, journaling is basically making sense of anything. And the way you do it is not limited to writing in one way. 
to find meaning is what is in what is going on mm-hmm. is basically um, is the most powerful aspect of journaling. Mm-hmm. So, so I think every time people make a list, they are journaling. Every time they use an emoji, they are journaling because what all journaling is is identifying or uh, creating a uh, a kind of relevance uh, to something. So that's that's basically how I see it, and I use a very mi- mindful approach when I teach journaling as well because I I think most of journaling is an observation, mm-hmm. and and that's the same parallel that I draw in with uh, mindfulness. And uh, how is this actually helping us? I mean, uh, when you write, what is it? that magic i mean uh, i've noticed in myself when i uh, i love to write writing is like a therapy for me like like example when you say to to do list you know when i have so, okay i have so many things to do i just jot down these other things i have to do it makes me so productive and it makes me a bit free okay so i don't have to hold it in my head all these days i something is something is there to record what i want to do so i can just go back to it so i don't have the worry that will i miss something so that's where i feel writing things like the to do list is helping me but when it comes to this emotional baggage how is this journaling really helping us so i mean there are so many ways that journaling when we are using it to uh, as a and as a tool for emotional processing mm-hmm. uh, makes sense because we can our brains are not the best at compartmentalizing in a way that's, that's productive yeah. and useful yes. mm-hmm. so so when we can look at things on paper we are actually removing them from that sort of uh, swooshing around a sort of fish tank that we have going on in our brains you know where it's just kind of we have so many repetitive thoughts so so when we are able to sort of put things down on paper we can recognize patterns recognize triggers organize our thoughts ask why discover um the reasons for why we do or feel certain things mm. and that really helps us process things that are going on in our lives um and so that's how i see journaling it, it just putting your thoughts at arm's length so often really gives you clarity rather than having them sort of intermingle and come to the fore over and over in our heads i think this sounds more like you know an allergy therapy because when you say i love that statement that you made brain uh, our brains are not good at compartmentalization but we are very good at generalizing things and most of the issues that we are facing i think we are over generalizing thing just like we have a statement uh, if a cat falls on a hot water or boiling water and if it gets burnt uh, any time it sees any water it is going to r- remind uh, the cat itself of the boil that happened or the burns that happened the same way when something that triggers in the past and if you are not able to make the differentiation anything that is similar to that we we immediately take it okay something like that and so we should avoid this and we go into our cave so i think journaling really helps us to differentiate is this really something that happened in the past is it really something similar or is we have to we get an opportunity to look at it in a new way if that's what you mean yeah for sure i think if personally for me i'll just share a personal story a little bit about how journaling helped me see uh 
some patterns in my own life mm-hmm. for sure like when you talk about triggers like it is an absolute uh way to identify what we keep uh repeating ourselves on and people tell me this all the time not just not just people that i work with but also my friends that why does this keep happening to me mm-hmm. and it's like it's because we keep having to relearn things till we or experience things until we can learn from them uh and and one of the major things for me in journaling was to to see patterns of anxiety for myself i mm-hmm. actually have um started having panic attacks when i was really young mm-hmm. and i had severe anxiety and it was very avoidant anxiety so i would avoid everything Mm-hmm. and then when i would avoid everything everything would fall apart so my relationships would fall apart my uh my routines would fall apart my work would fall apart then i would feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and then i would feel overwhelmed and i would be anxious again mm-hmm. and then i would be anxious and i would avoid everything mm-hmm. and so i you can really figure out your negative pattern spirals mm-hmm. through the act of journaling um and and all the cycles that we get caught up in like the vicious cycles Hmm. uh but at the same time i have to say that for me uh, i use journaling very much to record what what is going right in my life hmm. and i teach gratitude journaling more more than i teach any other kind of journaling because i think when people have sort of cognitive distortions mm-hmm. which a lot of people have i think we, uh, our brains are predisposed to uh, a negativity bias this is just neuroscience mm-hmm. um actually recording what's working for us is far more uh, beneficial sometimes to our mental health than going over what's not working no that's really interesting how you put it i've read somewhere our brain is not designed to make keep us happy it's designed to keep us in a survival mode you know which means we are constantly looking for what can go wrong rather than yeah. consciously looking what is right with us and yeah, it is absolutely. understandable you know our brain is like 200000 year old organ and when it was being evolved at that time our issues were survival you know we were constantly under fear will some wild animal come and eat us up or uh, should we worry about something that's happening with the in the forest or now we don't have these issues we don't have the issues of survival it's all about are we getting enough likes on in the instagram or uh, when will i get my uh, salary hike or will i get an appraisal these are the issues that we have right now but our brain is responding the same way like how it used to respond in the past so absolutely and and we've learned about neuroplasticity we know that the brain is able to be rewired which mm. is why i get really excited about teaching people that they can use their brain not to get stuck in anxious loops but actually as a way to notice what is working or mm. what what they have in their lives because the more we notice what we have the better we get at forming those patterns as well yes and uh, you talk about anxiety now okay we have these things like we have anxiety and you use the word overwhelmed and you also use the word panic attacks but underlying factor is there is something called as fear you know and fear is something that i am not feeling safe i feel insecure so mm-hmm. how do you differentiate i mean is it like the degree of fear is different in anxiety degree of fear is different in panic attack Uh, uh, what i feel is panic attack is like you have a short circuit in your nervous system and they don't know what's happening and it just goes on a self destructive mode so how mm-hmm. do you understand the difference between panic attack overwhelming anxiety and fear 
So I, you, you're absolutely right. Fear is at the um, at the basis of all of these all of these things, mm-hmm. and a panic attack is a an extreme. Complete, you're completely right. A nervous system shot, and it's often the uh, the result of a traumatic experience, and the body uh, uh, responding with a flight or fight uh, response uh, or a freeze response at this uh, for this one. Um, so essentially, it is usually a very somatic experience, uh, a panic attack. It's not so much something in the conscious. Uh, mind not that anxiety is but it's basically something where you have even less control over moderating it uh, the way you might be able to ground yourself for uh, when you're feeling anxious or process it when you're feeling anxious there is a bit there is a deeper sort of uh, unconscious or subconscious uh, reasoning for it Mm-hmm. Um, and it it is often something that has happened in childhood and and or a, a severely traumatic experience uh, that results in PTSD that causes um, something like a, as um, as bad as a panic attacks panic attack or something as uh, common as panic attacks in your life. I I used to have them repeatedly, uh, almost every few days. So my system was definitely overshot in a in a major way. Okay. Um, and, and I think anxiety is an emotion that absolutely everybody uh, experiences. But an anxiety disorder is somebody who again uh, has it quite often, and it and it it is a symptom for a diagnosis. Like if it is because it is repeated enough, it uh, we call it a disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of frequency that makes it diagnosed as a disorder. I mean, if the frequency is less, it's just like any other sneezing that we have. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't. You know, I am not. Uh, I am not a uh, mental health professional in the sense that I know that much about what goes mm-hmm. into the medicalization of. Um, of a lot of these things, but from my understanding of mental health and as, as someone who has lived with it for 30 years, my understanding is that many diagnoses are just a name for a cluster of symptoms because at the end of the day, even in the medical profession, they don't know that much about um, a lot of things. And so when, when people start having a number of symptoms that come under uh, what they term a uh, an illness is when they diagnose these yeah. things. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I see observed today, people are quite not very open about talking about their feelings. And uh, usually they keep it to themselves and suppress it. And that becomes like various symptoms in the body, like pain, high blood pressure, ulcers, even hemorrhoids to a great extent. And uh, what, okay, uh, when I practice, when I practice, one of the things I always give them is a feeling of safety so they could really open up about themselves. And people, we all are educated to be anxious or depressed is not something that is good. And the reason why they continue to be depressed is they feel nobody is there to hear them. There is nobody to understand them. The reason why mm-hmm. okay, PTSD is something like they are living in the past something that happened in the past, they're disappointed and they keep reliving it, thinking that, oh my God, how did this happen to me? Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why me? 
and that victimization keeps repeating and once you tell them and give them an opportunity to realize this is just once that happened don't don't generalize this for the rest of your life and to give that aha moment this is just once it happened in the past it's not your future that breakthrough is what we all need and i think that's where mm. this journaling is helping us absolutely exactly it is sometimes you just need something to shift exactly and just realizing that uh, that you do not have to make the same um decisions or that you have you can step into your own power mm-hmm. i feel like that is so liberating to people to understand that mm-hmm. and once that shift is there there's no turning back that's that's i mean that aha moment is what we all you know crave for so that we don't go back to that old painful memories yeah and you're completely right about uh, uh, your experience with people who uh, have bodily um, illness exactly. or pain yeah or chronic illness that's caused uh, by emotional issues and and i'm really passionate but passionate about the link between the two because i feel like it's one one thing that conventional medicine or western medicine really ignores Hmm. and and this lifestyle aspect uh with emotional processing just is missing and it's it's also what's made me drawn into what we call now alternative or holistic uh sciences or or tools exactly i mean modern medicine they are just scratching the surface right now to understand how important is our emotions when it comes to many illness and 80% of the diseases that they mention in their medical textbooks is unknown origin the reason it's not that there is no origin it's unknown because they are not giving enough uh, uh, focus on understanding how powerful are the emotions and that's where everything is coming to a problem yeah completely and i think we don't give enough uh, of a chance for people to even bring that into the conversation so often it, i don't think uh, uh, modern medicine is asking those questions at all exactly. um so i i i think there's there really needs to be a radicalization or a sort of intervention uh, in the way that we treat illness exactly and uh, you know when you talk about gratitude journaling you're talking about gratitude i mean people say how should i do my gratitude journal should i just say okay i'm happy that i'm alive and i'm happy that i have a roof over my head i'm happy that i have food to eat i mean they say there is a science behind how to make sure your gratitude journaling you really get that feeling of gratefulness how do we bring in that when we do this journaling So I have entire courses uh about gratitude journaling because I I like people to think about it in in a way that it's that it's not these grand things or uh you know our fortune or luck the things that we normally consider are things to be grateful for in fact if we were waiting for um you know only big things to be grateful for or these like sort of existential things to be grateful for we'd be sitting around and waiting a lot um and so i ask people when i do my courses to seek out all kinds of smaller ways to be grateful or ways that they never thought about as gratitude to um and make sense of that so uh, i'll give you a couple of examples from uh 
a recent course, like one of the courses I teach. Mm -hmm. So one of the way, one of the things I teach people to be grateful for is the small wins in their life. So Mm -hmm. for instance, in, in a, in a typical day, Hmm. You may go to uh, an ATM. There won't be a queue in the ATM. Okay, hmm. perfect. That's a win. So I try. To, I make people think real, think really small. Mm-hmm. Or, or they go to somebody's house and the person has a vase they like. Or mm-hmm. they go to they see a recipe online and they already have the ingredients in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. So the smaller we can think about gratitude. Um, the actually the more joy we can find in our lives or the more pleasure we can seek out of small things or things in our lives. If we, if we focus only on uh, major life experiences, then we're really um, kind of not able to squeeze as much out of the present as possible. Hmm. And, and this is again how I bring it back to mindfulness uh, and observation. Um, I know that mindfulness and and gratitude are not the same thing. There is a far more neutral, uh, far more uh, accepting or, um, you know, distanced um, notion within the concept of mindfulness. But in gratitude, there is such a big component of just observation Mm -hmm. and being present that that's kind of what I like to bring into uh, the gratitude practices that I teach. Another one I teach in gratitude is is for people to notice who they love in their lives and who makes their lives easier. So mm. I bring a very connected um, people focus to, to the gratitude practice. Mm. So, or, or what they are doing for people or who um, makes them a better person. So we can really relate to other human beings and, and see that interconnectedness in a gratitude practice. Another one I ask people to do is uh, make a list of things they did because people often make to-do lists mm-hmm. and then they feel overwhelmed because they haven't crossed it off or they have, you know, uh, really uh, like feelings of resentment that they're not productive enough. But mm-hmm. so often we, we procrastinate very productively. You know, mm-hmm. you might have something to do, but you might clean your kitchen or you might do other things that were, uh, you know, Uh, laid by the wayside because you were focused on something else. Mm -hmm. So actually keeping track of things that we are doing for ourselves that are not necessarily on our to-do list can also be so helpful. And I think of that as also a form of gratitude. Um, So I think all gratitude to me starts with self-gratitude, self-compassion. And I like to think, I like to teach it in ways that people don't necessarily think of. And, uh, when you practice this, I mean, uh, what, was gratitude journaling one of your ways to come out of this depression or is there something else that you practice in your journaling that helped you? No, uh, completely. Gratitude journaling has been, and like I say, there's no one way to do it, but it has been a real way for me to gain perspective in my life mm-hmm. because I was really in a loop of, um, of anger, a lot of anger mm-hmm. because I, it was very much like, I think most people's sadness, it transforms into other, um, uh, other emotions. Mm -hmm. So even anger is not really about anger as, as it is about resentment or about, um, or, or about like, uh, feeling, feelings of unworthiness, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was able to really gain perspective on what actually 
my life was like, mm -hmm. what actually were the good qualities of people I had felt wronged by. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, you can use it for in so many ways to see things that are invisibilized to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because when, when we are depressed, we often have major cognitive distortions in the sense that we see things in real extremes a lot of the time. Someone is either really bad or they are good or they are, you are, you really suck and you really hate yourself and there's nothing good about you. There's no nuance in your cognitive distortions. Mm. And so I think gratitude journaling can help you find nuance. That's great. I, I really, um, you know, I can relate to what you're saying when it comes to either they are really bad or really good. It's like the, you know, once you have a regulator for the fan in a tropical climate, the regulator doesn't have one, two, three, four, five, it's either zero or full speed. There's no in between. So mm -hmm. that gives them a lot of difficulty to understand and to give them to make use of their real decision-making skills. And also every time you give them something to decide that also gets them to a hyper-reactive mode. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to anxiety, would you suggest gratitude journaling or is there some other ways that you recommend them? If they have an anxiety so or something that... Uh, okay, I feel something uncertain and I'm not feeling safe. In such a situation, what would you recommend? So, at least in my experience, anxiety is often caused by either living in the past or living in the future. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness is kind of where I have really found um, solace or or a kind of friend or cure for my anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, because being in the present has helped me experience what's going on now mm -hmm. um, instead of being caught in loops of worry about what's going to happen or loops of uh, why did that happen to me? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe they did that, etc., etc. And I think most anxious people either live in the, pa in the past or present uh, or future, sorry, mm -hmm. not in the present. And so if you can use journaling in the same way that you use mindfulness, mm -hmm. that is, to record what's actually happening for you at this time, you may be able to bring yourself out of those um, places where you're living. Mm -hmm. And actually, I teach a lot of using the past and present in a productive fashion, uh, even when it comes, uh, even with journaling. Mm -hmm. So I, I because um, one of the really common symptoms of uh, depression is losing your memory. And one of the reasons you lose your memory is not because you, it's actually lost, but because you fail to, to have any mindfulness in your life. So you have trouble concentrating and you are constantly caught in these loops of living in the past. So you're not really paying attention to what is happening in the present, which, which means you're actually missing out twice. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, when you are able to bring yourself to the, in the present and look back on what was working for you even in the past. Um, like, I think when I was growing up, it was very much about, oh my God, my childhood was horrible. But mm. the more I thought about it, the more I wrote about it, mm. I actually remember lots of joy in my childhood. Mm. I actually remember so much kindness in my childhood, so much love in my childhood, so much encouragement, support, all of the things that we, we think were missing. Mm. And so to be able to um, 
kind of find also again nuance or find uh, that things uh, are often good and bad at the same time mm-hmm. is is kind of a wonderful gift that we can give ourselves. That's great. I mean, what you're saying, I can relate it to like the jukebox. You know, whatever music that we select for, it will come. And then, yeah, absolutely. And that's how it is going on too. So that's what the journaling is. Put your brain, go find something that you're happy about instead of constantly focusing on things that are giving you a lot of pain in the body and mind. Yeah, I think journaling can be used as in so many ways. It for me, I I really tell people there is no one way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I I I don't encourage people to just go over their traumas when they journal because mm-hmm. a lot of people use it to do that or they use it to make sense of uh, things as judgment. So it becomes this happened, therefore this person sucks, or this happened, therefore I suck. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's not a productive way to journal, and and there is a productive way to journal, and and that, and I I don't think people should re- revisit their wounds through journaling, mm-hmm. uh, rather than use it to make sense and kind of uh, track and identify and problem solve um, when they look at it. So I mean everything, even even um, the most um, sort of neutral and good a uh, spiritual practices like meditation there are the wrong ways to do them as well mm. you know mm-hmm. uh, as much as we'd like to say that there aren't but just like anything there are better ways to use uh, um, tools in a way that they work for us and work in our um, to our benefit there is one thing that I follow when it when I have some issues of anxiety coming. It could be some some issue. It could be like when I'm catching a flight, will I catch my connection flight? Uh, there, this, there could be a lot of anxiety even before I reach there. And then I see that the flight is delayed by half an hour. And then I realize, oh my God, why did I waste my time being so anxious? So in such a situation, what I practice, I think about what will be the worst case scenario that can ever happen. And then I just think about it. Okay, if that worst case scenario happens, what's the plan B? Okay, so this is the plan B. So if that happens, this happens. So I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm done. And then I just relax. So mm. once you know that, once you have a plan B, okay, this is the worst case scenario and this is what can happen. Usually when it comes to anxiety, people are worried. They are not able to, they will not be able to accept if things go wrong. Mm. And when they are not able to tolerate that, they go there. So, and the idea that we cannot tolerate if things can go wrong, again, it's, it's only a, a illusion that we have. So once, Yeah, absolutely. And once we accept that, and that's where I think this journaling is helping, you know, uh, if things can go wrong, it will go wrong. Just uh, once we understand that uh, and once things go wrong, doesn't mean that our life is going to go wrong. Doesn't mean that we have to be sad. Just And we don't have to associate our happiness to what is happening in the outside world. Once we disconnect, that's what they say. I give myself permission to feel happy no matter what happens in the outside world. And we give ourselves permission to be happy depending on how things go outside. It's like a very strong password. Once the world decides to make it happen, then I'm going to feel happy. And we just make it an mm. easy password. And 
that's what i love what you're talking about it your coaching and how do how can people get in touch with you for your coaching programs so i am the best way is probably on instagram or email i'm at mindful and body so mm-hmm. at mindful and body mm-hmm. and um i offer i'm i'm very lucky in a way because i've always worked online so uh so people work with me from uh, across the board i i actually had a very tiny percentage of my practice offline in the first place mm-hmm. um but i do it in in different ways i do realize that not everybody wants to attend a workshop or attend a um a face to face or a one on one and so i actually have email courses as well that I people see. can uh, can can work with or we can we can write to each other so there's two ways that that i actually have a practice um which so if people aren't really interested in doing a face to face they can uh have a a different sort of approach to it and i think that works really well when i'm teaching journaling um and yeah i otherwise i have a a, a few other tools in my uh toolkit that i uh, really work with a, a lot of them are around self compassion grounding mindfulness uh just things that work for me that i i can pass on to people i'm also really interested in the ideas of expression and play mm-hmm. um which i feel are really missing from the conversation i think there is there is so much of um there is so much of a necessity of just encouraging uh self expression and uh and frivolity which which i don't think is uh you know i don't think there's enough of it to be honest mm-hmm. and i think it can be a uh, really useful tools mm-hmm. even in journaling or even in 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 an emotional or a mental um support system mm-hmm. i see so yeah that's those are those are where my interest and what my tools are well, i would put these details in the show notes and people who are listening if they want to get in touch with you they can connect with you through instagram account that i will be putting it there so before okay. we wrap up just one question name three books that really influenced you uh three books wow okay um i do love the work of um uh louise hay <laughs> i'm such a fan you know i think uh you can heal your life was a wonderful book i read really early on mm-hmm. and i really like i really like that she made this uh connection mm-hmm. of um of mind and body mm-hmm. uh and and it was the first time i experienced it from uh the west almost uh so that was quite quite interesting I have been reading a lot of books around uh around trauma and I think um uh the body keeps the score is mm-hmm. a an excellent book um for people who are more interested in understanding that it is quite a heavy uh book to read and um I think a third book for me would be well oh, I really love the books of Austin Kleon uh I'm not sure if uh if you know him but he makes a uh, creativity really accessible and fun and he would be definitely a third recommendation oh that's quite versatile books that's quite interesting sheena very happy to have this discussion with you and 
whatever you knew so far, if you were to tell your little child, Sheena, what would that be? Oh, this is interesting because I do so much inner child work. <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely think uh, play more. I would say just play more. I think play is the opposite of trauma. In fact, it's been proven to be the opposite of trauma. And I, I'm really passionate now about kind of finding more play in my life, even as an adult. Mm. Uh, and I think everybody deserves that as well. I think we all are trying to have a childhood where we can play more even when we grow up. For sure. That was fantastic, Sheena. And for all the listeners, thank you so much for listening and do subscribe and share and also do write a review in iTunes or Spotify. It will really help us to spread the message that we have. And thank you once again. Thank you so much.